This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Oh, baby. Robert W. Cross. 53 wins. Thanks for the contribution, Robert. We love you. DJ loves you. I love you. I like you. Great to see you both. How do you put aside your burgeoning rivalry in film work to make sure that the audience of KFS comes first? Thanks. I'll hang up and listen. With difficulty, Robert. Yes. With great difficulty. That's my answer. Listen, you there's got, always when you have a rivalry, right? It brings out the best in both of you. Absolutely. Um I mean, I I will just say this. I've learned more working with Benji than I've I have in my and this has only been like a year, not even a year. It's been a, six months, whatever it is. I've learned more from you just talking to you and just listening to you as much as I can than I have in my my previous... I'm not even going to tell you how many years that is because I don't want to age myself right now, but many years. So it has been an absolute pleasure working with you. So it's I, I just have enjoyed the, the learning process because I just feel like you are the best going. So it's been um, doing stuff like this and just watching you and talking to you in the KFS chat and all that. So it's been uh, just awesome for me. So... Is there a rivalry? Listen, I I want to do the best for the 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 brand and the channel, and that's that's is what it is. And um, you know, we we do work. We have to. There have been times where we've I've had to uh, text you or message you like, hey, listen, I'm going to hit on this thing. What are you uh, focusing on for this game or this preview? And we will go back and forth and sort of make sure we're not going to hit on the same thing. But you know, uh, it's it's been great. I just have enjoyed it so much, and it's been a Awesome experience and just can't wait to keep doing it. Damn. Thanks, man. Yeah, feelings mutual. There's no rivalry. It's a squad. It's a great squad that's getting better and better at what we do. We're just trying to uh exactly like you said, Robert. Audience comes first, and we are uh we're trying to give you guys everything that we can. Claudio, get at it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I just want to say I'm so happy that dj that you took robert's question so seriously i'm so happy that you like actually answered the question what about the budding rivalry between you and ben because he's he's all about the audience see all about about the audience yes i wanted to join you guys next this next question because then we have to take a quick break but this is from fargo tufo also known as alec shout out to the oh god oh god oh god oh god (laughs) please read this andrew from Fargo Tufo, thank you for the contribution. Rumor has it that Mariah Mills tattooed Macri's name on her face. Does it signal the end of John in NYC? Your thoughts, Benji? No, 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 no. DJ, this is when the DJ goes first. Uh, do we have on, Do we have you. to give the backstory? I mean, do we have to provide any? Listen, I I usually don't do this. I explained the, the situation to John on Patreon the other day, but um. I'm I'm gonna risk it and say no. You actually shouldn't Google Mariah Mills. Um, <laughs> Not safe for work, please. No, actually, no. <laughs> go to Twitter. I think you're safe. 
and yeah. look up Mariah Mills. Let's just say Zion. What um, do you think? He, 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 all the Twitter people who manage, like, they're all fired. It's 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 fair game over there now. That's Every, very true. Out there. Very true. Well, there's there's no one working at Twitter anymore. For those who don't know the joke, we apologize. If you know, you know. That's the most simple <laughs> explanation that I could give. Uh, I will uh, just say Jonathan Macri, as far as I know, um, will still be here tomorrow at noon with another episode of KFS Lunch Break. Ask him then and see what his answer is. With, with Mariah Mills as his next guest. Exactly. That'll be, yes. be elite content. Tune in tomorrow night, Mariah Mills on the KFS YouTube channel. That is not <laughs> Oh, hello. <laughs> next question, please. <laughs> Emil? Bauman sore. Absolutely. Thank you for the contribution, sir. How much would you guys give up for OG? I believe he was referring to OG Ananobi, formerly of Clutch, no longer of Clutch. If he's available, I think there's too much upside to his game to look past him. I think he can produce in a bigger role. DJ, your thoughts on OG Ananobi? Yeah, so I guess I'm a little lower on what he can do well, first of all, he's not going to, if the idea is you give OG more of a leash offensively, he's going to produce more. But if you bring him to the Knicks, is he not going to be in the same position in terms of usage, in terms of opportunity? So, A, that's not really going to allow him to blossom if there is some blossoming to be had for him. But I also am a little skeptical about him as an offensive uh ceiling guy. I see him as a, a guy that has a little bit more robotic movements in terms of his uh, uh, handle. I don't think he's a great shooter. I think he's fine. I think he's a good enough spot up shooter to to space the defense, but I don't think he's a great shooter. I don't think he's treated that way. And I just don't know if there's a ton of offensive upside. Uh, even if you were to say, listen, you're a second option. You are you know, whatever you are. You are, you are now going to be a 27, 28 usage, usage guy. Um. And it's not going to happen with the Knicks because if if you Knicks are going to bring him in, I assume it would be for an RJ type package, and then he's just going to be slotted into a similar spot as he is in Toronto. Um, but in general, I'm a little lower on his ceiling as an offensive player. Now, defensively, he's he's great. He's as good as it gets in terms of the big three knee wing that every team covets. Um, can guard probably at least four positions, maybe five, depending on uh, how big your center is. Um, he's a, just a really good, a, re- a great defensive player. Um, but I, I think his offensive ceiling is a little overrated because I think the assumption is because he's still relatively young, you give him more opportunity, it's going to pr- produce more offense. It might give him more points, but I don't necessarily uh, think he's uh, going to be a hub for your offense or a guy that's going to be your number two option on a on a really good team. I agree with that. I, I, don't, I don't look at him as someone who's going to ever be like a second option on a really good team uh, uh, offensively. Um, I think he's a complimentary piece. I think the question remains interesting, even with that in mind, because how valuable would he be? You know, if you, you envision him in place of RJ or Randall, either or, um, does that make you better? Probably RJ more, because I think, again, we've talked about Randall, the importance of Randall's production, consistency, regular, regular season yeah. buoy that he is. But like, that's a really valuable player for this team with Jalen Brunson is kind of your focal point to have a wing. As we talked about RJ's defensive limitations earlier to have that guy, the most switchable 
wing possible can take on the toughest assignment. You, you, you couple that with Grimes around. That's exactly the kind of defensive pairing you want around Jalen Brunson. Um, so that is really interesting to me as a concept. And it would require moving RJ in that deal back to Canada, which would be interesting and maybe something that both teams would be interested in. And mm-hmm. I, would I do it? Oh man. I don't know. You're going to have to pay him, right? I mean, he is going to command a massive contract. How much bigger is it going to be than RJ's current deal though? If at all, <sighs> I don't think it would be, I don't think he's getting anything more than that. See, I think it would be bigger. Um, I mean, I, I'd have to like, what is a, what is a borderline all-star three and D wing get? I think I, around I, that. I really do. I think it's around. I think it's around. I, I think they're going to make similar money. That's why I think it's, it's actually a, okay. it's actually a feasible concept of a deal that could potentially be made and make Nick fans, some of them very angry, but I don't think it's crazy. I don't think it's crazy. Um, what about offensively? Do you think the fit is, it might be a little, he's, he's a better shooter than RJ right now. Slightly. But no, his shooting you're losing, doesn't. Uh, you're losing obviously the, the rim pressure. I think you're probably losing a little bit play of the playmaking, even though we know RJ has got some, things to improve mm-hmm. upon. I think we both mm-hmm. would say RJ is the better passer now and has a better ceiling as a playmaker. Is there a world where you want to have peak RJ in that spot offensively versus an OG and an OB? And I'm there's, just thinking no, there's a world. And, wrong. And yeah. It, it, it's not wrong or right. I, th- I think it, unless it depends on how where you think RJ is going to get to. I think right now, OG's defense is more valuable than RJ's offense. I agree, hundred percent. So, yeah. and especially in our team's context, where like Brunson can create a ton, Randall can create a ton. You have bench pieces that can create an IQ. Um, you might look. We saw in the playoffs, RJ's kind of secondary ball handling creation was really important to the team, and they, they would miss it. I'm not saying they wouldn't miss it. But you transform your defense. Um, and I, look, I, the Knicks, like they, they were whatever they were, top five in defense three years ago, two years ago was, and then last year they at least ended the season as a top 10 defense. You know, I, I think they ended, they ended around somewhere average, right? At the end of the year. Yeah. Considering that their two best players and two best biggest minute getters are Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, it's a minor miracle. Like, and they defended very well in the playoffs too. Wasn't the issue, right? So they are doing something right on the defensive end. I just questioned the sustainability of that with Brunson and Randall. And I do think, and sometimes I, I do conclude they're going to need better defense at the wing spot than what RJ is currently providing, which is why <clears throat> they often closed, although not in the playoffs as much with IQ, right? Was to give them that real defensive pairing with Brunson, who is just always going to have to guard the worst perimeter player. Yeah. And you said that now the second time and it's so true. It is a love him. And it's a, he's a, just a transcendent offensive player. He was in the playoffs at least, but that limitation right there, it just makes things harder. It does uh, defensively. And it's just, you don't, there's just no, there's no easy answer, right? You obviously both of us are on this, get them off, put them on Vincent against the heat, get them off these big wings running around the court. But 
you know, even in that he's running through ball screens and maybe it's a, it can get a little complicated getting through all those bam legal, illegal screens or whatever it is, but it just makes your, it makes your alignment defensively harder when you have Jalen Brunson out there. It just is what it is. And it's something the Knicks will have to just, it'll just be a constant thing you have to consider. And it, it is probably the best argument to bring in a guy like Paul George or an OG and an OB who can make up for those limitations. Exactly. Right. And it, yeah, it's less to do with like, me being down on RJ or like, it, it, it's just what this, we have Jalen Brunson, man. Like, and he has proven that he is worth building around and having in mind every decision that you make from here on out has to have him in mind. And in that sense, OG provides, I think a lot of value. And I think if you asked me right now, which guy I'd rather have, I, I think I might say OG and I might get shot by mm-hmm. half of Nick's Twitter, but there I am. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. And now, a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts, which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. Now, you get a waist-slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code POOL to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird. B-I-R-D, dogs, D-O-G-S, dot com, and promo code POOL, P-O-O-L, to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Oh, wait, some breaking news. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, Some real breaking news. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. You want to take this one? Can you get through it? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I can get through <laughs> it. So, so the G- Portland GM, Joe Cronin, has a big statement to make. He met with Damian Lillard and he says, I quote, I met with Dame and Aaron Goodwin this afternoon. We had a great dialogue. We remain committed to building a winner around Dame. So Damian Lillard might not leave Portland. (laughs) I repeat, but he might, but he might not. Now, listen, let me take this a little seriously for a second, because I think there's something that, that was left out of the statement that we should probably mention. A lot of we. And the we is the, is the trailblazers, right? Theoretically. We remain committed to building a winner around Dame. To me, that's a big 
it wasn't, you know, Damian Lillard and I, or we with Damian Lillard in mind are committed to building a winner. It is, this is the team's goal here. And I think we are in a uh, situation where they're trying to save face. And I think we're just, or just, it's, it's going to happen. He's going to get moved. I think it's all trending towards that direction. I think now everyone's like, all right, let me, it's, it's a PR game. And I think that was a PR statement. And I think that Joe Cronin wants the trailblazer fan base to know that they're committed at least. Now we don't know about Dame, right? That was nothing there about. So it'll be interesting to see when Chris Haynes has his uh, Dame Lillard uh, statement, if that will be coming or not, but I'm just uh, happy they had a great dialogue. It was great. Sounds like it was a great time. I'm sure it was fun and, and good times were had by all. Can we please, for God's sake, move on from this story, this never ending saga that doesn't change for decades. Hamdi's back. What's up, Hamdi? So Jeremy has convinced us Levine is the way to go. Well, he's convinced you. Ugh, Jeremy. I actually agree with him. <laughs> Your thoughts. Oh, God. Positioning me. That's a rivalry. Positioning me against Cohen. Um, I want to see that cage match. Uh, yes. The pale Jewish redheads <laughs> going at it with fury. Um <laughs> I actually agree with him. Your thoughts? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I, I wouldn't be. Jeremy has convinced me to the point where I wouldn't like throw something through my window if they did it. But I think I'd prefer running it back with what we have. That's where I. That's where I come out. DJ. Um. Yeah, I think that. God, I vacillated between the keeping RJ, keeping the nucleus, keeping if it's quickly or RJ and running it back versus bringing, bringing in um, Levine because putting the contract stuff aside, I think that is a lot of where Jeremy's going with this, right? You, you bring Levine in, he is a Avenue for the next guy because of the the salary uh, matching abilities and that he is, what is the continuous soup that he always talks about? Levine is a nice way to sort of get to the next level in terms of him as a player there are just very few guys in the league that can score the ball the way he can as efficient as he can. And that is a very enticing thing when we've watched where I, you know, we've all watched RJ for the past four years struggle with that efficient scoring. And you bring in a guy like Levine and he is an elite catch and shoot guy. He is, he's he's obviously got the downhill ability. The athleticism is, Obviously, 99th percentile, probably still after knee surgeries and being in his mid-20s. Um, I don't know, man. This is a... I'm copping out here. I I don't know. It's like I, I can wake up tomorrow and be like, bring in Levine. Let's do this. And then the next day, I'm like, listen, I want to see quickly one more year. I want to see the low-hanging fruit from RJ sort of uh, bear some real fruit. And what, what can he be? Because there are some real limitations with Levine. And we've talked a lot about defensively in this, on this pod about the limitations of Brunson. right. You add Levine to that mix. I mean, how, how, work, right? how much magic can Tibbs work with their three best players and biggest minute getters being Brunson, Levine and Randall. How okay. are you getting a yeah. league average defense out of that? Well, you were with RJ. That's the argument, right? You were yeah, with RJ. RJ provides at least some physicality and size. Like Levine is, I know it's gotten a little bit better, but man, I, that scares it. Like again, Nick's offense isn't perfect. Playoffs exposed it to some extent. This team was the third best offense in the league last year. 
They were an average defense. Does adding Levine get you better enough on offense that, like, let's say again, Max, you're, you're going to be a league average defense with the? I, I, I struggle with that. It's not that simple an equation, um, but I struggle with that. So again, I think I'd prefer to run it back. But if they go that route, I think Jeremy, wise as he is, has convinced me that it is a it is a viable and and productive route to go. I just I can't get there. Uh, so I mean, Andrew puts in the chat here. Uh, does Chicago's defensive rating last year, which was good, um, give you hope that it's possible to build a good defense with him here? I mean, it's a good point. I mean, you had Vucevic in that start in that lineup as well. I mean, is is Caruso doing that much work on that end to sort of make up for whatever Levine is not providing? And, and the, no, it's not like the Rosen's a stalwart right. either, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Patrick Williams, obviously a talented defensive player. I don't know if his um, on-court ability is necessarily where his ceiling is, right? Or could be. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, Donovan's a good you, defensive coach too. Yeah. And is Mitch good enough to where... All right, so let's put it this way is Mitchell Robinson getting to the point where you can him alone is an average defense, his presence alone. And with the Hartenstein uh, being, you know, his backup and great bench defense that they always have, right? The the bench are on the floor with heart, heart, assuming hearts back and and quickly is always going to be a good defensive unit. We should. Right. Right. So yes, the starting lineup would have huge limitations, but are you getting enough from the center spot with Mitch? And then as you just mentioned, rightfully, are you able to mix and match as the game moves on with a bench unit that has good defensive players in there to make it work? I mean, it's, it's why yep. we're talking about it, right? We didn't just yep. throw it out the window, as you said. It's a, it's a great point. It's a great yeah. point. All right. Yep. Oh, Robert's back. Big thread, Benjamin. Sorry for the delay in my second. Help me, DJ. Super uh, chat. Super, super chat. Of course, Super Chat. Not, not South Carolina. I was stuck behind a BAM out of bio legal screen. Aren't we all? All the time. Which Nick takes the leap next year and why? Um, I already put out my, my opinion on that. I think it's Quentin Grimes. I think is a guy that's going to turn a lot of heads next year. Yeah. Um, DJ? So I'll go, I'll go with RJ. Um, yeah. this, I think the passing is real. In terms of the ability to pass the ball and play make and, and make wise decisions, I think we've seen enough of it in spurts and, and to do it against really good defenses gives me hope that it's 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 a real thing. And, and to me, that might because we always talk about like, can you really flip the switch and go from a guy that struggles as a playmaker, as a decision maker to being a, to, to have that being an actual attribute? Yeah, I can see how you would question that, but maybe it was a skill or an attribute that was just there that he didn't tap into enough. So I'll say that that ability will improve going into next year. And to me, that's a big improvement. And I think that the shooting will be better to the point where it's borderline league average. So I'll say the shooting is he's roughly league average shooter from three. The playmaking has improved to where he is a good offensive player on a good team. And to me, that would be a major, major leap for uh, RJ. And if he's doing that, he is every worth every penny of that contract and then some. Yeah, no, it's a great point. Um, I love it. I hope it. Dream it. Pray for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Robert, on the Grimes point, just so I'm actually answering your question, and I kind of spoke to it before, I, I think playing with a little bit more cadence and pace and, and driving to finish um, and just the reps that he's going to get, I just, I, I really like his chances to um, to take the next step next year. 
Robert's back again. Oh, this one's for you, my friend. All right. Hello, Mr. Ace. I appoint you GM of the Knicks. Wow. Feels so Congratulations. Honored. The weight is hitting me already. My God. You are offered fair, reasonable value for number 30. Do you trade him? Why or why not? That's it. I mean, fair, reasonable value. Listen, <laughs> you know, that's Robert's. That's the Robert Cross that, standards. Fair that, is a, that is a tough, tough question. This is what being the GM of the Knicks is like, right? You have to make all the tough calls. No, Leon just sleeps, actually. He just sleeps, right. Sorry about the thunder in the background. We have a major cell coming through the Chapel Hill area. So bear with me here as we uh, dodge the lightning. Um, it de- I mean, uh, it depends, right? Because who are you bringing in? Because there are certainly players that if you were to give me a reasonable offer that just fit with Jalen Brunson a little better. That so yes, I would make I would make a move for a guy for a guy like if you're saying trade, give me Paul George and you take Julius Randle. Yeah, I'm making that trade. But I mean, is that that's obviously not a viable thing? I don't think the Clippers would be interested in that sort of deal. Um, so yeah, I would be certainly open to the idea. Now I don't, and and we've talked a lot. You've talked about how the Knicks take care of their guys, the family part of it. It's real. So I think Julius is just, he, if you're going to, you know, he's sitting at the head of that table, right? If it's, it's like he's got a plum seat at the table in this huge dysfunctional family. So you would probably have to, in a realistic world, give the Knicks not just fair value. You'd have to give them a surplus in value to make that move. But I'm not, obviously, I don't have those ties. So if you give me a player that is a three and D sort of like big wing, six, eight, six, nine, that can do a lot of things. I am making that trade. Um, I, I just am. Um, but you know, we're doing this. Obviously this is a fictional scenario. I don't think it's a, it's got reasonable, um, play in the real, in the real world. However, it's a good thought exercise about sort of roster construction and what, who do you want with Jalen, Jalen Brunson, uh, long-term, um, it's a it's a really fascinating thought. So I think a guy that is a more diverse, defensive minded, but a high level score kind of fits better with a Brunson, Grimes, RJ um, threesome. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. I'm, I'm going to say yes. And and fair and reasonable can be interpreted however anyone wants to interpret it. But like, I would not be devastated if this team moved off Julius Randle for what whatever is fair and reasonable value. And and mm-hmm. you spoke to what that might look like and best version of it. I'll just like to not get in the weeds and just say, yes, I am okay moving off of Julius if the right deal presents itself and we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. All right. Next question. Ben Kim Gurvey is back. Why don't our big screen effectively? <laughs> is this on principle, fear of fouls, personnel? Also, no disrespect before Benji. I'm old. You're not old, Ben. That's just a... Uh, it's, just just a social, it's a social construct. Yes. What is age? You're doing great, Ben. You're doing great. Whatever you're doing, it's working. Um, our our bigs don't screen effectively um, because screening is a skill, and towing the line of what is legal and illegal is a skill. And the fleeter of foot you are, like a bam, for example, the easier it is to kind of get in and out of screens and and tow that line effectively. Mitch a bit more clumsy in his yeah. movements, and so if he takes risks as a screener, he's going to get called more often. Um, that's a big part of it. Um, 
it's it's it, and it's a read and it's and it's a read and react and whether when to flip the screen when Mitch has gotten better I just don't think he'll ever be great at it um and I think that's okay I think they get they they get away with it um they do enough it would obviously help if they hit their screens more often um I think varying the screener a little bit would help too um and giving some other people opportunities even an RJ for example would be interesting as a screener which they never do uh so I think it's I think it's technique. I think it's personnel. I don't think it's fear of fouls, although it does play in for Mitch. I think I, I think all those things are true, Ben. Actually, I think I think they're all they all play some they play some part in the ineffective screening that plagues the Knicks at times. Yeah, and would you say the best because he started to do it a little more in the playoffs? But to me, quickly. <laughs> I love when he screens because to yeah, me he well, is he is a phenomenal mm-hmm. screener, especially for a guard. Um, so I, I just we were talking about screening. He just I, his his screen just sort of sort of streaming through my mind um, in that Cleveland series because it became such a a weapon and him in that short role making plays. I mean, it's it's something they they went to because of how Cleveland was playing Brunson. But I hope it's not something that is um not utilize this, this coming season, because I, I really do think it's a val- valuable skill that um, a lot of teams do. It's not like a, it's not a, the Knicks aren't breaking the mold doing it. They just haven't utilized that's that those, those skill sets that um, at least quickly has, um, I think Grimes has it a little bit, but uh, quickly, especially. Um, and I'd add jo- I think, I, I think Josh Hart's a very good screener Hart as too. well. Yeah. When, if he's back um, and, and you, they used him in the playoffs a lot as well. I would agree. Hey, what's up? Jonathan Macri here with our good friends at Oakley to tell you why Jalen Brunson's incredible first season in New York was more than meets the eye. Is it that Brunson became the first point guard in Knicks history to average at least 24 points a game? Is it that he became just the second player in NBA history to average at least 24 points, six assists, and under 2.5 turnovers? No and no! It's that he did both of those things all while playing on a below-market contract that will become even more valuable under the new collective bargaining agreement. So yes, we should all be very thankful that the Mavericks had to find out the hard way that Jalen Brunson is more than meets the eye. What's up, Knicks fans? Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. Not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up, because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to Oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to Oakley.com for more information today. Jessica, what's up, Jessica? Always good to hear from you. 
Ben and Ace, without naming names, what are the worst NBA-related tweets you've seen during the offseason so far? <laughs> My answer is anything about whether Dame is loyal or wants to leave. Those, any of those tweets, they're all awful. They all stink. I hate all of them. DJ, please. So I'm just trying to figure out how much trouble I, I want to get myself into. <laughs> oh, Ryan Mills, uh, is that where we're going? <laughs> not that, not that kind of trouble. Um, not... <laughs> Have we have we met the quota? I mean, there's a four or five mentions of Mariah Mills on the uh, on the on the pod. I think uh, whoever had the over on that, you win. Um, listen, I think there are. I'm on. I I follow a lot of guys, a lot of girls, a lot of uh, on NBA Twitter. A lot of them are Knicks fans, and I feel like there is a. <sighs> I'm. I will. I won't name names. I feel like there is a lot of revisionist history regarding the Josh Hart trade. And I feel like there are a lot of people sitting there on draft night, bored out of their mind. I tweeted yes. this and I feel like we saw the last time we saw Josh Hart, he was a guy that Jalen Brunson didn't want to pass the ball to in a, the biggest moment of, of the season. So I get it. There are real limitations. He is not a perfect player, but I feel like he, they were not in that position without him. I feel like he changed a lot of what they do defensively, um, even offensively. Um, I really feel like the idea that the Knicks traded a pick late in the, the, in the first round for a guy that helped them and a guy that they have the ability to resign was the definition of revisionist history. And to me, that was a, with all with, those tweets were all the worst. <laughs> so with, like, with, with the yeah. fair assumption, by the way, that they would have a pick anyway. And, and with some, real chicanery they ended up not having right so I, I think it's all, it all had happened for them not to actually have a pick on yeah. draft night uh, yeah. it was a reasonable uh, it was a strong move to make at the time you have no obviously you have the information you have at the time when you make a decision correct me if i'm wrong they went nine and oh after he got there am i am i making that up am i forgetting? it was long man and they won, talk a lot about of games. they won a lot of games and Obi Toppin was a different player with Josh Hart in terms of the, the, the transition uh, ability. I mean, he just, he's, he's their best, uh, one of their best defensive players on the ball. I mean, he's just, he's a really good player. I'm glad to have him. limitations and warts aside. He is a good basketball player and you just need those and you need to win the regular season to, as we've talked about, to get the seeds, to get to the point where you can actually make noise in the playoffs. So Oh, and let's ignore yeah. the fact that he made the biggest shot in the playoffs for the Knicks. He made a step back three to win a game, um, basically. And right. the, all the contributions he made against Cleveland, let's just ignore those. And because he his shooting limitations absolutely mattered against Miami, mm -hmm. and everybody knew that that might happen as the level got higher and higher of competition. And that is a real concern to think about and how you plan around it. But let's not get to a place where we think that the second round of the playoffs is a guarantee and we need to just think about how we're going to – Josh Hart's going to win you games in the regular season to get you back to where you want to get to. Exactly. Like, and, and, and that needs to be part of – like, don't think that this team is now a given second round of playoffs <laughs> team. The, the, as much as we've said the East is wide open, there are also a lot of good teams in the East. The Knicks are not, like, far and away more talented than most of the teams that there. Like, it's going to take a lot – and it's going to to get back to that place to get a seed where you have home court advantage in the first round and can do what you did. Like Josh Hart's going to help you get there. Sorry, G-Max said stop hitting the desk. I'm passionate, G-Max. <laughs> it's 11.03 and I'm passionate. I said please. <laughs> in parentheses. <laughs> Robert Cross, a follow-up on Jessica's question. What is the worst Kevin... <laughs> 
Karen Danishevsky tweets you have seen in the offseason thus far. You're welcome. Um, I have not seen any bad Kevin Danishevsky tweets because Kevin Danishevsky, let me tell you something. Kevin Danishevsky is a smart basketball mind and an amazing supporter of our team here, part of our team here. And um, we love we love Kevin Danishevsky. I have not seen one bad Kevin Danishevsky tweet, Robert. Do not exist. They do not exist. Mm. Robert trying to start trouble. I'll answer the question. All of them have been bad, Robert. Don't worry. All of them have been. Does he tweet about the Mets? Those are the bad ones. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> exactly. Fair enough. Good. Frank Sound KFS Def lineup tonight. Hell yeah! Thank you, Frank Sound. Uh, we appreciate it. We're trying our best here. Jay Berg, I hypothesized Leon sneaking Spider in 2025 as a trade or through a free agency? If so, which attainable stars at wing slash center pair best with a Brunson Spida backcourt? Championship ceiling question mark? Oof. Wow. I mean, <laughs> um, I hope, first of all, I hope Leon is not planning. I think that that is certainly part of the equation. Now, I do question... Because right, Brunson is going to need an extension. Randall will be up for an extension as well. So it would have to be a trade, I presume, in terms of salary numbers. But putting that aside, I mean, I think Mitch would be a phenomenal. Because I mean, you just look at, if you just compare that to the Utah backcourt, Connolly and and uh, Mitchell, uh, Mitch is a decent facsimile of what Gobert can do. Um, obviously, a guy like and an Obi, you know, we, as we've talked about, because you you obviously would want, you would need that big six seven six eight wing that can have the versatility defensively to to make up for a pairing in the backcourt that is obviously going to leave a lot to be desired. Now, um, it's hard to know in two years who those guys will be, but that's sort of the players I, I would uh, you'd want a defensive, obviously, a rim protector. You would need that. It would be a, uh, to me, in my opinion, that would be a prerequisite. You would need a rim protector of at least a upper echelon level to, to get a passable defense. And then you'd want obviously as, as much defensive wing versatility as, as you can. Yeah. I'd, I'd, also, I'd also look, uh, you mentioned Utah. I'd look at the current Cleveland roster um, for inspiration there as well. Uh, they built a really, really excellent defense around Garland and Mitchell. I think Garland is actually a, maybe a little better than Brunson defensively, at least as, as a as a ball hawk and on the ball. Although I think Brunson does, you know, he draws more charges and does that kind of thing. So, but I don't think there's a huge gap there. Um, I think to build a great defense around that specific backcourt, you're going to require buy-in, like real buy-in from Brunson and and Mitchell, which which the Cavs really got from Garland and Mitchell this year. And then you need to surround them with size, strength, rim protection. Um, and they did it with Okoro, Mobley, and Allen in Cleveland. Um, it's hard to find that kind of rim protection at, at the four and the five. That's pretty hard to 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 copy, but certainly that's the idea and the blueprint. And Mitch is certainly yeah. a good option there. And I don't think it can be RJ and Randall, though. That I don't think. I agree with that. Now, did the the way Cleveland season ended and how the Knicks were able to take advantage of their size in the backcourt, does that give you pause that a small backcourt of that nature just is there's a ceiling on that. So if you are going to look to try to win a title with that as your backcourt, um, now I, I could be missing a team, but I don't know necessarily that's been done before where you actually win a title with a backcourt 
of you know six two and under. I don't know off the top of my head if I've seen it. How tall right, was Joe? Du- how tall was Joe Dumars? Literally, yeah, what I'm looking four. up, Benji. He was. I think he was listed at six four. Yeah, pretty um, small backcourt, but obviously pretty tenacious players. Yeah, in a different kind of he way. was a great defensive player. Yes, and then to was. me, it's like you could get away with that a little more in that era where you just didn't have obviously the size. But also, yeah, but also like so they surrounded those two guys with physicality and size, yeah, obviously. Right. Um, did it, I, it's funny because I didn't think Cleveland lost that series on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they, they, they didn't score the way they should have been scoring. Now that came more down to the fact that Mobley and Allen... I think is problematic as a pairing offensively than it did to Garland and Mitchell being a problem defensively. I don't think the Knicks took a ton of advantage of it. They did a pretty good job. They got runs in the mismatches. RJ, RJ abused the mismatches at times, but honestly their best method of offense in that series was Mitchell Robinson offensive rebounding. So um, it didn't prove to me that it's, it's not viable defensively. Okay. Um, fair point. I think and do more than six, it, three. Thank you. Uh, um, yeah. Andrew. Yeah. Um, Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, more than anything, it proved to me that I think it, Mobley needs to shoot if they want to stay with that with that uh, pairing down low. You think he shoots long term? I'll say yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Enough touch, and that's not, and that doesn't mean that he'll shoot open. enough. I don't know if he'll shoot enough to make that pairing, or at least that pairing playing thirty minutes together. Like it right. might be more of like an Allen starts and Mobley finishes when he gets the size to actually play center, and you yeah. can build around it that way. But um, I think he'll make shots. Yeah, I do. Hey, Ray, just joining. I'm late. Does a bigger role for Deuce make sense? It's a minutes, great right? question. It's now, a, staking, it, it, the, there's no minutes. Yeah, that's the that's the question. That's the question. If you consolidate, I think he's ready. I mean, I think I know you agree. He's ready for NBA rotation minutes t- tomorrow. I mean, he could play 15 minutes a night and I think be a positive player because I think there's, I think he's just going to shoot well enough. I just, I think there's enough history with his shooting in college. Um, I think is, I think he's going to shoot it fine. Um, I just defensively, he just changes everything. Uh, He just changes the game the moment he is on the court. And I think he could, if you consolidate and you have 15 minutes a night, 10 minutes a night to play Deuce McBride, I think he can play. And, um, I just right now, I just don't think there's just it's not there right now for him. Yeah, assuming they bring back Hart. Yeah. Um does it make sense? It's an interesting phrasing. I, I it makes sense. Like I think he's earned it. I think he can help you. Um you know, if Tibbs was a bit more of a flexible type of coach, you could see it being kind of matchup dependent. Um that's not how he coaches and like he has his nine man and then situational guys around that. And that's what's probably going to be next year. Um, I think Deuce is ready for minutes. I'll also just say though, like on the positive side of it, Deuce is a guy that I know can be the 10th man play situationally with injuries or whatever, and make a tremendous impact, which is really important in an NBA mm-hmm. where not everyone's going to play every game. Like he's going to get opportunities next year, whether he's in the rotation day one or not. And the luxury of having a guy like him, to plug and play whenever you need to, and who's going to make an impact. Hell, he made an impact in playoff games this year. Like this is a guy who's ready to take that challenge. It's a tremendous luxury for the team to have a guy that you drafted in the second round that can make that kind of impact. And in situational scenarios, 
Um, and as much as I'd love to see him play more, I can also kind of focus on the, on the luxury that the Knicks do have to have him in that role. That's a good point. And you know, the Knicks have been really lucky with injuries the last few years. Um, quickly RJ, um, I know Grimes had the knee injury, but it was relatively healthy last year. There's good. There's going to be a time where he's, there's going to be an injury and you're right. You need that 10th man to be ready. And he just, he seems like a very professional player at his young age. Who's yeah. Like, like always ready. There's almost a likelihood that he's going to play like 25, 30 games next year. Yeah. And that's like, that's no small thing. Right. So it's, um, that's a, it's, it's a great, it's a great luxury to have. Thanks, Ray. All right. That does it. An amazing Monday night live stream. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, DJ, for, for joining me. It was great. It was great to meet you. (laughs) Nice to meet you. (laughs) Pleasure. Uh, This has been awesome. Uh, Obviously, if you guys aren't following the great DJ Zulo, please do. One of the most, um, I'm just going to say best because that that doesn't mean anything, but one of the most detail-oriented, sees the minutia of the game in a really unique way. Um, Great on the Telestrator. Great. It it adds a video editing element to our team that is like really valuable, helps you see the game in a different way. So if you're not following DJ, fix that immediately. the whole team, obviously, KFS is doing great work, even in the offseason, um, even though I'm not doing that much right now. But uh, thank you all for coming, tuning in. This was a blast. DJ, anything you want to uh, say before we head out? No, man. Um, just likewise, follow Benji. He's as good as it gets. Um, I'll say it again. I learn every day from him. Uh, this has been a pleasure, uh, man. Uh, thank you so much. I really I just appreciate what you guys do. Have a good night, everybody. Dame Lillard, breaking news. He might leave. He might leave Portland. Let me just add two things. Um, They both said to follow each other, but didn't say where. So you can follow Benji (laughs) at Ben Ritholtz NBA (laughs) on Twitter. You can also follow DJ at Ace underscore Zulo. Uh, and because DJ does such great work for us, he also does great work on his personal channel at Craft NBA. Uh, mm. So you can check that out. Give that a like and subscribe. Um, find all his great work there. And then tomorrow, our schedule at noon, another edition of KFS Lunch Break with John Macri. So bring all your questions there, Mariah Mills or not. And then we've got Chris Persianen and Jeremy Cohen on Tuesday nights for Ooh. another edition Big week. Um, a very big week. We're live every day and every the night. KP, KPJC combo? Indeed. Indeed. Jeez. And I, 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 I'm I, going to tease it. Um, a non-KFS member, but friend of the pod, will be our live host on Wednesday. If you is really he, think is about he, it. Is he in the bag or out of the bag? I think, let's just say he's fond of poetry. Ah, okay. We we learned that today with a thing he might have written. So, uh, you tune in on Wednesday night for that. Awesome. Because casuals, obviously, on Thursday, and then our our big free agency live stream on Friday. Uh, so plenty of live stream, plenty of coverage. It's off season, and one last reminder: uh, DJ Zulo is not an actual DJ. Sorry, everyone. Note. Oh, one actual last reminder: uh, Damian Lillard might not <laughs> leave Portland. Okay, thanks for tuning. Thanks, in, Andrew. Buddy. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Peace.